So hopefully everybody has an outline. It should say the power of giving thanks to God. The power of giving thanks to God. And uh, such a simple principle of thanksgiving. I think uh, we do that with our kids all the time. I just see some little ones uh, that have been recently born and some other ones, three or four. And I know one of the first things we teach our children is say thank you now because <laughs> we don't want them to grow up into... Uh, uh, these rebellious, horrible, you know, people, right? We want them to have a sense of appreciation, especially for all the long hours and work and things we're putting into them, right? And we just know that that makes them a better human being. So that's all well and good, but there's something far more with regard to Thanksgiving that I'm just beginning to learn more and more of how powerful Thanksgiving is to God. It's such a simple principle, but we see it all through the Scripture. But it's an amazing thing, an amazing... Uh, I don't want to say tool because it's way beyond that kind of brings it down a little bit, but it actually does work in everyday life. It actually has something to do with supernatural power and authority in your life. We usually think of it as a courtesy or being nice. Yes, it is all of that. But more than that, there's something supernatural connected to our ability to say thank you, to give thanks to the Lord and to give thanks to one another, right? So I want to read uh, from 1 Thessalonians 5.18. It's on your outline there, and then we'll read some other passages. But I just want to start here. Give thanks in how, how many circumstances? All circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You want to know what God's will for you in Christ Jesus? Oh, Lord, please show me your will. Please show me your will. How many times have I prayed that prayer? I mean, I've prayed that dozens and dozens, hundreds of times, right? About usually specific things. But sometimes we jump right over to those sort of things without remembering. And it turns out that what we remember and how we remember with the Lord is directly related to the very things that we're asking for, hoping for the most. It's all connected. So a lifestyle of thanksgiving is so powerful that the scripture says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. All circumstances. Bad, good, in between, all circumstances. Evidently God really likes this lifestyle, and Paul goes out of his way to explain it to us. And so one of the reasons why we can do that is because of the all-encompassing victory of Jesus Christ at the cross. Sometimes we don't know that. We don't think about that. But that's why we can say, in all circumstances, because we're never far from God's grace. Right? God causes all things to work together for good, for them that love the Lord to call according to His purpose. Romans chapter 8. What a powerful passage that is. I want to say that one again. Matter of fact, I'll just read a few verses connected to that. Romans 8, uh, 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. And we know that in all things God... How, how many things? All things God works for the good, those who love Him who have been called according to His purpose. And just the couple of verses up, it says how the Spirit helps us in our weakness, that we don't even know how to pray, what to pray for, but the Spirit Himself is interceding for us, even when all we can do is utter wordless groans. And that's an interesting. We didn't have to be like that great at prayer. <laughs> But that intercessory space, that space where we accept that God is working for us. He's up for us. He's not against us. And so therefore we are cooperating with His purposes. The whole thing of prayer and our speech and the things that we say is just, uh, it's amazing. You would think it wouldn't be that important. But thank you is a big deal, even from the time that we're young, right? It's cooperating. It's appreciation. It's flowing with the way God flows. It's positive to the God who works together all things together for our good, for the God who, who causes us to 
give thanks in all circumstances and says it's actually his will. That's what he wants from our side of the equation. Amazing. So if you look at your outline there, giving glory and thanksgiving to God is the first response of a person who truly believes in Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's the first response God wants from us. I'll prove it from verse 18. The wrath of heaven is being, Romans 1, 18, is being revealed from heaven against all the godliness, godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what is plain may be known about God is, since what is made, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly understood, being understood from what people, from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For though they knew God, they neither glorified Him, they knew God, but they neither glorified Him as God, nor gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Yeah, all those terrible people whose foolish hearts are darkened. <laughs> That's us, by the way. Right? Because when we move out of that place of gratitude, right, and out of that place of glorifying God, our thinking becomes crazy. It becomes futile. Oh, my goodness. Can I just pause for a minute here? So... We need to get rid of stinky thinking, right? And substitute it for something else. And one of the best things we can substitute it for is being thankful for what God has already done and not allowing our foolish hearts to become darkened. So we have some responsibility in this. So they knew God, it says, but they neither glorified Him as God. So that's that praise and thanksgiving we just did. Nor gave thanks to Him. But thinking, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. I don't ever want my thinking to be futile and my heart to get darkened. Because when I get in that place, man, I just don't think clearly. And anxiety over and over again, it's like a tape playing in my mind over and over again. And most people think, well, maybe that's, you know, on some other circumstances. When the circumstances turn, then, then suddenly uh, it's going to be okay again. But that is not true. There's always going to be challenges while you're in this life, right? So, although they claimed to be uh, wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the mortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Before you go through that one too fast, it's amazing when you get in this rut of negativity how many things you bow down and worship to. Worship. By bow down and worshiping, I mean they control you. Your job controls you, whether it goes up and down. Your marital status controls you whether it goes up or down. How much money you have goes up and, you know, that controls you. See, what Jesus is after is a lifestyle that's not controlled by those things, but by the truth of His Word and also by the belief in His character and His love and compassion. If He shed blood for you, isn't that enough? How about all the other stuff? I think He's got the other stuff, right? As horrifying and as painful as it may seem, and as much as it seems like it'll never be well, it's never going to be okay, right? After we receive Jesus, our whole life should be simply one big thank you in response. This is a very, this is very different from being a religious person, by the way. First John one nine says, "We love why, because He first loved us." Let's turn to Colossians chapter three, verses. 15 to 17. 
I'm just going to read through some of these passages. I, I just like them so much. Uh, they've just uh, been so meaningful to me in my life. One of the greatest breakthroughs I have in my life is learning the art of saying thank you. I mean it. It sounds so simple. And it's a lot farther away than you might think. If you just monitor your thinking a little bit and watch how you are during the day and how you relate to other people, you'll see you know, how far sometimes our hearts are from being in that space. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body you are called to peace. I like that. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing it to God with gratitude in your hearts. Sometimes when we sing, I hear that. I can feel that, the gratitude. You know, that certain sound in the air from the worship team and that certain sound as people respond. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Wow. We just stop right there, couldn't we? That's amazing. That's just a, If you stop and meditate for a moment on that, in the context of our life with God, you just see uh, the bar that the early church set for us where their understanding of, of Jesus, their understanding uh, of God and, and how to relate to Him. And I, I would say especially on an everyday basis. This is an everyday kind of thing. So Jesus heals these ten guys with leprosy. We see this in Luke chapter 17. Right? They're standing at a distance calling out, Jesus, have mercy on us. And many of you know this story. So he says, well, go show yourselves to the priests. And when they do, they all get healed. And then this guy comes back. Now, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Now, if you know the Samaritan problem that the Jews had. They hated each other, basically. So Jesus, interestingly enough, spent time with the people that the Jews hated, right? But the Samaritan was the only one that came back, which gives us an understanding of verse 17. We're not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Hmm. That's the Son of God. Where's the other nine? This normal thing would be to come back and say thank you. Did Jesus need to have them say thank you? No, it's kingdom protocol, but they needed to come back and say thank you. By the way, that's the whole thing. God's got plenty of praise, plenty of thank yous, right? You need to say it. And he appreciates it too, but you need to learn to say that because it's the rhythm of heaven. That's what goes on in heaven all the time. If you read in Revelation these amazing stories of heaven and pictures, it's all thanksgiving and praise, right? We're not all ten cleansed. It's the atmosphere of heaven. So if we want to bring heaven to earth, thanksgiving's a part of it. We're not all ten cleansed. We're the other nine. Has no one to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to them, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Hmm. Your faith has made you well. Well, we know good and well that God healed him, right? Jesus healed him. But he had something to do with it. Your faith made you well. And his continual wellness, your faith makes you well. Part of your faith is thanksgiving. Part of your faith and breakthrough is learning to say thank you even in the most difficult, hard times. Because in so doing, you're inserting something else into the equation. The supernatural power of God. 
the thing we call salvation is a very relational issue. One of the first things we teach our kids and their relational skills is how to say thank you. Is that right? And express appreciation. I mean, from the very beginning. <laughs> from the time they first start asking and learn how to talk and get, you know, <laughs> reach out for something, right? Now, even before they talk, now say thank you. Not all. Oh, good. Good boy. Good boy. Good girl. Right? Even before they can even say it right. Am I right? So what happened along the way? Oh, the beauty of a 14-year-old saying thank you. Isn't that the most? That's one of the sweetest sounds <laughs> I have ever heard. <laughs> so we see the sacrifice of the Old Testament forecast the atoning death of Jesus terminating in the state of alienation between God and man. So terminated the state of alienation between God and man. The sin and burnt offerings which covered sin were later fulfilled in Jesus Christ's offering on the cross. So you see all these Old Testament offerings. I mean, there's the sin offering and the burnt offering and the thank offerings and many, many of them, right? But here's an interesting thing, and I'm reading this out of uh, Rick Harrison's comment in the Tyndale Old Testament commentary. Listen, there was another kind of sacrifice called fellowship offerings or peace offerings that declared the beauty of our fellowship and communion with God Included in these offerings were the thanksgiving offerings, which acknowledged God's mercies to the one presenting the offering. So you would give these offerings in thanksgiving to what God's done for you. In later Judaism, the thanksgiving offering came to be valued as the highest type of sacrifice. Give the sacrifice of thanksgiving, the sacrifice of praise. We see that in the New Testament. So... Isn't that interesting? Even in those Old Testament sacrifices, there was room made for that particular offering. And as time went on, the Jews began to appreciate that kind of offering and see its meaning in greater and greater clarity. So appreciation, as we teach about a lot through our Thrive classes and a lot through, hopefully through all the other sermons is, uh, that we do and, and how we behave with one another and so on, is the key to any relationship. Have you notice that? Wow. What's the first thing happens is people have been married for a while and people, mothers, wives, children even, <laughs> but especially husbands and wives don't like to be taken for granted. In my counseling with couples and families, one thing that always seems to pop up when couples get in trouble is they no longer feel appreciated by the other person, either taken for granted, ignored, or downright abused, Right? Even if that horrible abuse or problems aren't taking place, just the sense of being ignored, taken for granted, is very, very difficult. Matter of fact, we found actually that just by going out of our way and doing just the opposite really helps marriages. That you actually just go out in the opposite way and take time to say, thank you very much, I appreciate the way you do this or that. And it's amazing how much life it injects. And if you make a whole lifestyle of that, it's amazing what happens. Now, some of you women I see out there, you know, you're just you're thinking, oh, my gosh, I wish my husband were here with me. Listen to this. <laughs> and maybe guys the same way. You know, not just the guys. The guys have the same issues, right? You know, I slave away. I work hard. You don't appreciate how hard it is to make a living, do this and that, you know. And to feel taken for granted or maybe even underappreciated is a very painful thing. So we actually warm our, each other's hearts with appreciation. But it turns out that we also warms God's, warm God's heart with it. And I just see it. There's a tremendous example of this. 
And um, it's just so radical. I, I just love these stories so much because it just tells you the way God thinks about things. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Now, this pops up in a couple of other settings in the New Testament. And so this alabaster jar of perfume is very, very special. And very, very expensive. Really, really expensive. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. She was exercising her faith by saying thank you, by giving thanksgiving. Sometimes when we worship, I uh, uh, see many of us responding in different ways. But the critical thing with worship is not the warm-up for the sermon. It is the sermon. Because what do we do with worship? It's the one time when we present ourselves before the Lord and we give Him appreciation. That's why it's sort of good to do at least once a week. But what about other weeks, other days? That's good to do all the time. But there's something like a perfume or a special aroma or a special entrance of the room when we all gather together and from the bottom of our heart tell God how great He is and how much we thank Him. And that's just something we should do is just a relational thing with the Lord. I know I like the worship and I like the way I feel when I worship. But why do you like the way you feel when you worship? It's because you worship and God brings His presence back on you. And by the way, it's sort of hard to reproduce that except in person, relationally. You can do it alone. But there's just something about the whole gathering of people, a bunch of people that are grateful. And you heard certain lines of the song where it's especially meaningful and it's meaningful to you. We're all together just saying, thank you. It's relational. It's God. And the Spirit responds to that. That's why you feel great during worship. That's why you can feel His presence. You feel somehow changed or rearranged on the inside. It's supernatural. It's not necessarily because the music is really fantastic or great. I mean, I think it is most of the time up to the front from near, I, near as I can tell. Just like the preaching is mostly great, I hope. <laughs> but still, right? It's the presence. It's, it's God's presence. And if there's any good from the preaching, it's the God that comes from, oh yeah, I forgot that. Oh yeah. And what happens is the Spirit just takes that word and it puts it on our heart. We, go, we remember all over again. 
that particular lesson. And this lesson of thanksgiving is so wonderful to learn because it has power in it. It rearranges us. It turns us into different people. It turns us into even evangelistic people. You know, during a time when everybody's complaining, worrying about everything, and we're thankful. We're still staying above it. We're offering praise and thanksgiving. Just, just an amazing thing. Thanksgiving and praise enhance the closeness and presence of God. We see that in wonderful psalms, uh, like uh, Psalm uh, 100. Uh, let me just read this. Some of these uh, verses are just so powerful and, and, and instructive. And I, I love David, the lover of God, who was responsible for a lot of them, right? And who was so close to the Lord, and he just wrote out of the fullness of his heart, right? Enter his gates, the Bible says, with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So he's really talking about entering into the literal presence of the Lord. So we come in with what? Thanksgiving. And we enter further, deeper, closer to that holy of holies as the Old Testament picture is, with this courts with praise, thanksgiving and praise. So we're coming in. There's some sort of protocol. There's some sort of thing. The thing is, God's a great king, but he's also a good father. So we put those two, two things together with thanksgiving and praise, and we come away with appropriate worship. And then the Lord comes. And so the picture of that whole thing is the Old Testament temple where they're starting in the outer courts and they're moving closer and closer to the Holy of Holies where the very presence of God was in the temple right above the ark, right? Where all the serious business got done in terms of Israel's covenant relationship with God. So that's what we do. We come in the gates. We come into the courts. We get closer and closer to this place. And that was the whole point. Christ among us. Emmanuel. That's the whole point of everything that we do. It's the whole point of our salvation is that now we get to live with God, that actually we have God so close. He lives inside of us. That's the New Testament fulfillment. First Thessalonians 5.16 Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And then it says, do not quench the spirit. <laughs> right? Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all, hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil. So I've always seen that part of uh, do, not, the do not quench the spirit, then the one that follows, do not treat prophecies with contempt. But it's also connected to the one above it, the verse above it. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. And I don't know of anything that quenches the spirit faster than complaining. <laughs> How about the, just the atmosphere around your house? Wow, when people are complaining in that place, and uh, you know whether it's the food that was cooked or whether it was whether you know what they got for Christmas or whatever, talk about quenching whatever's there, right? And we're going through that whole cycle again, right? But oh, I think it's so important that the holiday, even of Thanksgiving, comes before Christmas. <laughs> Maybe it should come after Christmas too. <laughs> Rejoice always. How often would that be? Like always. Wow. That's a pretty heavy phrase. When you say those things, and when the Bible says those things, what it's just trying to explain to us is the all-encompassing nature of the salvation of God. I've got this, guys. All things are working together for your good. I've got you. I've got you covered. So that's why you should rejoice always. The hardest part's been done. When you die even, if the worst thing happened, guess what you get to do? Get to spend eternity with God in the most amazing... We can't even be... 
understand or even fathom sometimes how magnificent that's going to be from this side, other than I think these people that have these near-death experiences and stuff, I'm fascinated by it because of their description of what's on the other side, right? Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Man, we sweat it out. God, what's your bill? You want me to do this or that? What do you want me to do this or that? You know what? If you have more of the first three going on, to hear God's voice about very specific decisions about what you need to do is easier. So much easier. It's just that when you're panicking and afraid and you're worried and you think there's not going to be enough, you know, and then, then you try to approach God and ask Him for His will, it's much more difficult. Matter of fact, as we're going to see, Thanksgiving is directly connected to these amazing breakthroughs that we need in our life. Matter of fact, why don't we just go there right now. Um, so let's look at uh, Psalm 106, verses 7 to 15. If you look at your outline, Roman numeral 4 there. This is an amazing series of passages. And uh, I want to just uh, read something that Bill Johnson said that I've always remembered. And uh, I was already in this place, but when he said it, it's went like lightning went through my soul because I've realized that, uh, that this phrase he says here, how you remember your last miracle is how you face your next problem. So that's a nice platitude. That's a nice thing to say. It's just that how you face your next problem. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. How you face your next problem must be faced in faith. How you fa face your next problem is really important because it's how you succeed with your next problem. That's the implication there, right? How you remember your last miracle is how you face your next problem. It's so incredibly powerful. So I'm going to read a few verses from Psalm 106. When our ancestors were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They did pretty good in the beginning. Pretty exciting coming out of Egypt. But the main problem is they had amnesia, just like we have amnesia. So having amnesia and being ungrateful is one thing, but when it's connected to your next supernatural intervention you need, <laughs> it gets a little more serious. And that is the full revelation of Scripture. You see, Thanksgiving is not only that we do something to be polite, but it's the way it prepares the way for God to intervene supernaturally in the next thing. Unless everybody has everything they need already and don't need any other supernatural inventions. Anybody in that place? You don't think you're ever going to need God to answer another prayer? Well, you're good then, okay? But if you're like me and you need answers every day, and uh, you might just want to pay attention. If you've been asleep till this point, you might want to wake up right now. So what Bill says is so important. How you remember your last miracle is how you face your next problem. Not only how you face your next problem, how you get through your next problem. I don't want to just face my problem. I want it to go away, <laughs> right? So here we got Israel. They had a big problem. They were in slavery, right? But they, they got out. But they, when our ancestors were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They did not remember your many kindnesses, and they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Yet he saved them for his namesake to make his mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea, and it dried up. He led them through the depths as through a desert. He saved them from the hand of the foe. From the hand of the enemy, he redeemed them. The waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them survived. Then they believed his promises and sang his praise. Okay, they were good again. <laughs> okay, we're good again. But they soon forgot. Oh, man. I'm looking at me. I'm looking at you. How fast we forget when we get a breakthrough. 
I mean, you can get a bonus at the end of the year. How fast? You'll forget that by February. Maybe even January because you're paying all your Christmas bills out, right? Then they believed his promises and sang his praise, but they soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his plan to unfold. Oh, wait a minute. Just pause right there. I'm going to come back to that one. They forgot what he had done. See, the thing is, sometimes the plans of God just take time to unfold, right? We have a problem. It gets solved. Then another problem. And then we forgot. It's just going to take a little time. And this whole thing of plans unfolding is one of the most powerful revelations I've received from the Lord. I realize that I'm a part of the answer. I'm like a midwife. And what I have to do is be patient and keep my attitude right, keep walking with God long enough for the answer to finally finish. Right? I'm a part of the whole process. It's part of the glory of God to be a part of the answer to your problems. Not that you're throwing something up there and hoping it hits and sticks this time while 17 other things remain unanswered. Listen. Life is a process, and many times the plan of the Lord has to just unfold. And thanksgiving helps it unfold. God, I thank you for the 10% I have now. I can't wait for the next 20 that's coming, or 30. Thank you for what you've done now. I can see your fingerprints. It's like having a little, you know, one of these, you know, magnifying glass. Oh, there it is. There's, there he is. I see his trail again. He's there again. Thank you, Lord. More, Lord, more. That's why I love the fam famous vineyard prayer. More, Lord. <laughs> Thank you for what I see now, and I'm expecting more. This is very powerful. You're acknowledging what God's already done and just thanking Him. And many times, the plans of God are unfolding plans. God's a process God. Sometimes He does it all at once, but there's many processes that we all go through. And along the way, we learn to a little bit more about God. That's why it's His will in every circumstance. I've got this. All things are working together for your good. But it may work together for your good, but I would like you to enjoy the process so you can learn. And I want you to be like me so you can have more of me. And the more you have of me, the happier you're going to get. And it's a wonderful up cycle, right? I don't know why we get in these places of negativity. They're some of the most dangerous places we can be. If He gave His Son for you and shed blood for you, I think He's for you. Oh, he's just for the spiritual part of me that's going to go to heaven and be with him. No, he's for everything. Your finances, everything, everything about your life. Marriage, family, everything. That's why in the Lord's Prayer, he didn't leave anything out, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. First part's appreciation. Thy kingdom come. Your, that's your rule, your rule, your authority come. In every circumstance of my life, everything that's negative, everything is wrong. Give me this day my daily bread. Forgive me my debts. Whatever your daily bread is, whether it's a, a husband, a wife, or a family situation, or a car, or a new child, or a marriage, whatever it is. Then they believed his promise and sang his praise, but they soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his plan to unfold. So he gets them out of the one place, the place of Egypt. He gets them across the Red Sea, right? <laughs> but now... The rest of the plan has to unfold. And it was, as they began to unfold, they got to even better stuff. They got closer and closer to what they were looking for, but as it got closer, it was also kind of hard, so they couldn't wait for it to unfold. They thought God deserted them. In the desert, they gave in to their craving. In the wilderness, they put God to the test. So the funny thing is, not only did, did, did they, they get in a negative place, but they, they're pushing on God. Unbelief just turns things the wrong way. Whenever you vote for unbelief, the enemy goes, yay! <laughs> Good. I've got you where I want you. I can manipulate you in any which way. I can put wrong thoughts in your brain. I can do anything I want with you. Now I have you. 
So this process of rejoicing and thanking on the inside is such a critical thing. So he gave them what they asked for, but sent a wasting disease among them. Yikes! <laughs> so, let's, let's get rid of the wasting disease part, okay? Let's go into the part, where, you know what I mean? I don't want fire, I want grace. So we're teaching it, we're, we're learning to understand. And one of the biggest problems is they couldn't remember, as Bill said, they couldn't remember their last miracle. The last miracle, whatever God did for you, is how you then face what you're going to do next. And, and if you can't remember your next miracle, just go to the Scriptures and see all the miracles God does for everybody else and remember that. That's helpful too. So 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will. When I learn to give thanks in my circumstances, one thing I learn is, and I give thanks in my circumstances, sometimes, you know, before, I don't do it after the answer, I do it as it's happening or before. And I'll tell you what, sometimes it's hard, because if it's disheartening enough and confusing enough and hard enough, you, you, you just, the last thing you want to do is, Lord, thank you for this new tax bill I received. Thank you for all the confusion I'm getting about whether I should get a vaccination or not. Thank you so much, you know, almost feels ridiculous, but that's exactly what the Bible's saying. Why? Because when you do it, you soften the thing. You take the teeth out of it. You look it square in the face. Instead of trying to squirm around and run away, you go look at it and say, thanks God for the circumstance I'm in. Thank you, Lord. Lord, because I'm going to give thanks in this circumstance because somewhere in this thing is not only the will that you have for me to be here, but the will that I'm going to get out and I'm going to learn something. And I'm not going to be weaker than before. I'm going to be stronger. I'm not going to have less than before. I'm going to have more. Thank you so much. Well, when you start saying thank you like that, even while the problem's right in front of you, it softens the thing. It takes the teeth and the fire out of it. It immediately puts it in another place. And sometimes you may not feel that emotionally very much. Okay, thanks, God. You know. <laughs> uh, you know. But if you do it enough, you'll find it lessens it enough that maybe you can still think clearly about the solution. Maybe you can still God, hear God's voice. I think God's voice gets covered up a lot of times in a lack of gratefulness. And you can't hear Him anymore. It's God's will, so you're not doing God's will anymore. I know maybe you hear that. Well, that doesn't make any sense, but... If God didn't have everything bought, purchased, taken care of, and covered, and if He didn't love you so much, it would not make any sense whatsoever, right? Because He's so powerful and loving to you. And we'll find that out in heaven, but I want to find out now. And one of the ways I do that is I, I remember what He's done before, and I just say thank you. How you remember your last miracle is how you face your next problem, right? I remember, right? Thanksgiving helps me remember my unique standing and testimonies with God, not only verbally, but I want you to say this, emotionally. Emotionally. Sometimes when I verbally say it, it doesn't feel much. But if you do it enough, you begin to feel that a little bit. You can feel the thing move. It's not as intimidating. I'm not saying it's going to all go away just because I say thank you for this problem. Because <laughs> we're not just thanking him for the problem. We're thanking him for the answer, too. We're thinking, oh, God, you got this. You got this. So I pay forward my past victories into the new problem and find the faith and grace of God to wait for the plan to unfold. That was 106.13. They, they soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his plan to unfold. So I pay my victories, whatever I remember from the past. God, I remember how you did this, this, and this. I remember how you got me through that. And I just want to thank you for that. And I just look at this thing, and then this new thing, and I just thank you for that. Then I apply it to that, Lord. Just like you did that, you're going to help me in this one, right? And then 
Lord, as we're doing this and you do that, you, then you watch for the plan to hold, unfold. I want to just say it again. To wait for his plan to unfold. This is a critical part of the whole thing. Because many times God will start to move and you're in the darkest, dankest place, but you don't see the fingerprints. And I'm looking at you, Susie, and I, I just appreciate the way you've handled this, you and your husband. Sorry, that's Susie, sorry. Next to you. I forgot your name. Diane, Diane I don't know. <laughs> so I'm all giving this to them. I can't remember your name. Anyway, sorry. I'm in preaching mode, so all kinds of things go crazy. But anyway, so is the doctor, right? Your husband. So it's so nice to see him on the broadcast. But what was so exciting for me is all the time you guys have been going through this horrible trial, right? Well, have you noticed that you're headed toward more now? <laughs> Already? But way I like about it was the way you were approaching this thing. He's sick and all this trouble, his foot's messed up and everything, but giving thanks and taking it to the Lord and taking it to another place, right? It was so wonderful to see you do that. And I could tell how you were doing it. I could tell you were, you both, all of you were exerting your family that, that energy, right? Or that, that, but it's faith is what's being done, right? And so now we're waiting for the plan to unfold. And then he told me what may be unfolding. And I'm thinking, whoa. Well, I don't know if he's going to do that or not, but it's like bigger than what he had before, right? So it's amazing. So I'm not sure where he goes from here, but from really in a really desperate physical situation as a doctor now to a place of promotion by God's amazing grace. What a great story. I wish I could tell, I don't want to tell the detail of that. I know there's things that I should probably, but it's amazing. And it's just the latest. Our whole church is full of that. Could I just congratulate you all on how you've handled this crisis? Many of you have done so incredibly well. I mean, we've had our down moments, but I'm looking at some of you that have had a horrible season with COVID, horrible bouts, and here you are still worshiping God. Not just because your presence here, but the way you've handled the whole thing. This is how we win. It just seems backwards. We give thanks in the middle of our greatest trials and troubles. We keep praising God anyway. It just seems so backwards. And for all of you that are right in the middle of the darkest trial of your life, I'm not making light of that in the least. I'm trying to give you help. I'm trying to help you take the heat, the heat out of it or the pain of it. And also helping remind you that how we remember what God's done in the past will help us greatly to get through the next thing and the next thing. We just have to make sure we dial that up on absolute purpose, right? Look at Psalm chapter 50. Coming to the end here. Verse 14, sacrifice, thank offerings to God, fulfill your vows to the Most High. Now this is part of the worship that Israelites would do. They would, part of their worship was to sacrifice thank offerings, right? For something good that had happened or pleasant that had happened to them. Except when I look at that as sacrifice thank offerings, it's funny, they, they had the thanksgiving, but they, it cost them something. And as I read this passage, I think about it a lot. Sacrifice thank offering. So sometimes when you're giving a thank offering and you're in the middle of pain, it, it is, it's, it's like a sacrifice. It's painful sometimes to do. Because in it you're thinking, God, you could have fixed this yesterday or the day before or somebody else could have fixed it. There's disappointment in you, right? So sometimes think of a thank offering in the middle of that with your mouth or by an action that you do. It's painful, but it's so beautiful. It's an act of your faith. So when they said sacrifice thank offerings, they didn't just say, thank you, Jesus. They actually, it cost them financially. 
Because with agrarian culture, so they were bringing their animals for sacrifice, it actually cost them financially to give a thank offering. So they're giving a thank offering with their money, right? So they put in their money where their mouth is. You can say it that way, right? But look, so when we say sacrifice, thank offerings to God, fulfill your vows to the Most High, right? And call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. See how they connect? I give my thank offering to God. I, I give something sacrificial. Even if all I can give is, oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> I can barely get it out. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm so happy about not having enough money and it's so great to be sick a little bit. You know? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, it <laughs> but it's interesting. It costs me something to say that or to do that, right? And I'm sure, uh, and our, our mouth isn't the only way we give thank offerings, even offering offerings financially or some other way to help person. Or I see people in the warehouse all the time. It's just such a beautiful thing, paying it forward. They've been helped in some way, and so they go in and volunteer. Or they give something that they have in their household, hoping it reaches some good destination. I see this all the time. There's all kinds of thank offerings going on in the warehouse. It's a beautiful thing. And do that. We turn around and give it to other people, right? We're able to help other people. It's just wonderful. I see thank offerings. There's volunteers, whole groups of them. I found out. I didn't even know how many. There's all kinds of uh, offerings being given up. Uh, people are coming in with their time. Whole groups of them come in every week. And, and I've seen other kind of expression. I've seen Mormons in there. I've seen uh, other groups from other societies and churches and stuff going in there. And they do it every week. And they give a thank off. They're, they're giving back to the community, right? Sacrifice thank offerings to God, fulfill your vows to the Most High. And then this next line, what happens next? And call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you will honor me. That's a pretty good deal. I deliver you, and you honor me. But you honor him before the problem's fixed, during the time when the problem's being fixed, and after the problem's being fixed, right? Because the deal is, I deliver you, and you honor me. I think that's a pretty good deal. How about you guys? I really like that. I love those verses so much. That's Psalm 50. So at the very bottom of your outline, notice what it says. Worship, prayer, and thanksgiving are a beautiful recipe for the presence of God and breakthrough in your life. One of my favorite passages in the whole Bible is Philippians chapter 4. And one of the reasons why it's one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible is because it has some background to it. He's writing to the Philippians. Paul went to Philippi, and they promptly threw him in jail, chained him to the floor, right? Threw away the key for a while. But in the middle of that experience, he begins to worship God, he and Silas. And they're worshiping God in the middle of it. They're giving thank offerings and worship offerings. And as they're worshiping God the bondages fall off their hands and the jail doors fly open. He witnesses to the jailer who's freaking out about to commit suicide because of the whole thing. And basically a guy says, after he sees that, he says, sir, must, what, what must I do to be saved? Now, what preceded that? They worshipped. And a guy got saved, and a household got saved, and a church was started. Well, the enemy meant for evil, God turned. It looked like there was a desperate situation. So he's writing to these same people, the Philippians, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. He's remembering what happened to him in the bottom of that cell as he and Barnabas are worshiping. 
or whoever it was, Silas, I can't remember which one. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What a wonderful passage of Scripture. And we see, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now remember, the backdrop is what happened to the, him in Philippi. So they're all listening to what he's saying. They understand this man does what he says. This man walks the talk. Whatever you've learned, or then he says it here, learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Yeah, we saw that. Do not anxious, be anxious about anything, but in prayer and situation, by prayer, in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I love that. So there's immediate peace you get. You take the teeth out of the problem. You give it to God. You thank Him. You praise Him. You rejoice. You sing hymns to God, like many of you do here today. I don't know all of you. I know a number of you. And a number of you came in, and you're not doing so great, right? At least on the outside. But you're doing great on the inside. And that's just the prelude, like Bill says. You know, it's just this wonderful thing. Remembering how you remember your last miracle is how you face your next problem. So as we close here today, uh, I just want to... Uh, let's all stand up for a minute, okay? And we're going to have some instructions come up. Uh, Kent's going to give us some instructions about what to do. And um, we have some beautiful expressions of Thanksgiving we're going to do. So it's going to be a... Uh, we're going to do this together. The, the kids are going to come in in a minute. And they're going to join us. So we're going to do this as a community and as a family. Uh, they'll explain more if you need to get more ammunition up here. We're going to get it. We're just going to do this as an exercise together. And what I'd like you to do and just encourage all of you to do as we do this is sort of this little thing we're going to do together. Just remember the meaning of it. Take from it the meaning. Teach it to your kids. And especially when you get up on Monday morning, not Sunday morning, <laughs> and have to go to work, have to face the, the office, have to face the people, whatever you do, school, whatever it is, Remember these things. These are principles to live by, but they're also the power of thanksgiving in it, of giving and thanksgiving to God. It's the power of being victorious and overcoming, facing things head on with the power and the goodness of God, faith in our heart, and being patient. And I could just finish on this one, and I'm just going to pray a prayer over you, and then I'm going to have Kent come up. Lord, I just want to ask you as we just pray here together. I pray, uh, like I prayed out of that psalm, I'm asking you, Lord, that you would give them the power and the revelation and the patience and the faith to let the problem unfold. Let the answer come. And I just exhort you, as you see the answer begin to come, watch for it afar like you have us. A, you know, a telescope and you're looking out over the water. Watch for the miracle to come and keep thanking and praising till it comes in to shore. See it from afar, right? See it from afar. But I pray for grace to see miracles from afar. Some of us came in here and we're incredibly intimidated about what we're dealing with. 
Would you give us grace to see it from afar and to thank you in advance, to praise you that all things work together for good for them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. Give you thanks in all circumstances is God's will for us because behind the will, it's not just discipline, because behind the will is provision for you, blessing for you, and not less, more. Not less, more. I came that they might have life and what? Have it abundantly. Amen.